excited about God's word on this morning. I hope somebody came in here with a little expectancy, expecting to hear a word from the Lord. Does anybody need a word from the Lord? Amen. I hope you came in with a little expectancy, expecting a word from God on this morning. Again, that's Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. And the word of the Lord reads, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are they, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Lord, touch us on this day. Lord, don't allow us to leave this moment unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And God bless you. Our thought for this morning is appetite. We're going to talk about appetite on this morning. And relative to appetite, I want you to ask yourself the question, are, do you stay hungry? Do I stay hungry? Do I stay hungry? I want you to know something that because of our scripture, if you read it carefully, it says, blessed are they who hunger. If you just stop right there, blessed are they who hunger. That means God blesses our appetite. When we have an appetite for him, God says those who have an appetite for me are blessed. I want you to think of it in that context. I want you to consider that those who have a hunger and an appetite for me, just the fact that they hunger for me means that they are blessed. They are blessed because simply they have a desire and hunger for me. In other words, God wants you to be hungry. Point at somebody and say, God wants you to be hungry. It's God's desire that you remain hungry. We said this year our theme is living hungry or how, teaching us how to live hungry. God wants us to be hungry, and in having an appetite for him, that's what God blesses us. Because not just being hungry naturally, but having a hunger for him, God blesses our desire, our hunger for him. Appetite defined means a desire to satisfy a bodily need or a craving. And if we truly think about it, we ought to crave God. We ought to crave the more of God. Oh, just like you crave those foods that you don't need, just like you crave that bacon, crave that bread, and crave that cheeseburger and crave pizza and sweets and ice cream and pie and cake. Just, just like you crave all of those things, we ought to have a craving for God, a strong desire to satisfy, get this from the definition, a need. We have a craving to satisfy a need. Our spirit craves God, and we ought to have that hunger and a strong appetite for God. And God is saying, everybody who craves me, everybody who has a hunger for me, everybody who has an appetite for me is blessed. You're blessed. Despite your circumstances, despite your idiosyncrasies, despite the other things that you don't quite have right in your life. He says, I bless those who have an appetite for me. When we say, well, often we talk about David, and, and I think we, we invert this thought. When we say David was a man after God's own heart, that didn't mean God's heart was for David. That meant David's heart was for God. 
David had, he, he, he went after the heart of God. He, he craved God. He desired God. One thing that I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David had a craving for the heart of God and he was blessed because he had an appetite, a craving a hunger, a desire to please and be in the presence of God. And God blesses those who crave him. God blesses those who have an appetite for him. Uh, it reminds me, I can't help but think, and I've been reminded, and you know how things hit you in certain times and certain seasons, and definitely during the holiday season and the Thanksgiving and Christmas season that has just passed, I certainly just had thoughts of Grandma. And Grandma, she used to make all of these cookies and all of these different things. My daughter has now picked up. She's making little candy pretzels that, like, Grandma used to make. And, and she, lately she's been even baking breads and stuff. And that reminds, makes me think there's a little Dorothy Lorraine in her somewhere. <laughs> Amen. But, but when I begin to think that Grandma got satisfaction out of feeding people, she loved to feed people. And she always made too much food. If you went to her house, she was going to make too much. She wasn't going to make just enough. She, it's like trying, she was trying to feed an army because it satisfied her to feed people's cravings. And she loved to tell stories about people who came and ate a lot of food. Often she'd talk about the musicians coming to her house, and she'd say, oh, they, they came and they ate, they ate all kinds of food. And she would talk about that, but that gave her joy because she was satisfying, get this, their appetite. She found pleasure and joy in satisfying not only an appetite, but she loved to satisfy a big appetite with the things that she cooked and the things that she provided. And I want to let you know that it, it brings pleasure to God to satisfy your hunger. It brings pleasure to God to satisfy your appetite. And he gets more pleasure the bigger the appetite is, the more pleasure God gets in satisfying your hunger, your craving and your appetite for him. God finds pleasure in that. He loves satisfying the appetites for what he provides. So your hunger, I want you to get this, motivates God to get you, give you more. Your appetite, your large appetite for God motivates him to give you more. Somebody just say, I want more. Now, one thing I want to tell you, one thing I want to tell you about this particular text is that life requires appetite. Your life, your, your existence requires appetite. How, how, how do you mean? Well, the Bible is saying blessed are those who hunger, blessed are those who have an appetite. And I, I want one of the things you'll, you'll notice for those of you who've been in that unfortunate situation to be around a, lo a loved one who's passing over you'll find out that one of the last things that happens is that they lose their appetite. They no longer have an appetite, a desire, or a hunger. And when they lose that hunger and they lose their appetite, often to us that is indicia, that is an indication that they're about to pass over, they're about to transition, that they are about to die. So what I'm telling you is life requires an appetite. It requires an appetite. And you should not allow the trauma, and I want you to get this because many of us have experienced trauma on many different levels and because of many different things, but you should not allow the trauma in your life to impact your appetite. Or let me say it this way, you should not allow the trauma in your life to negatively impact 
your appetite. Because there are some storms that God sends in your direction, and the purpose of the storm is to give you a greater appetite for him. I, I wish I had a few witnesses that, that I, I, trouble will teach you some things. Tr tr trouble, it not only takes you through, but it will teach you some things. And sometimes when you, when, you have, when you have prescribed or you've signed up or you've registered for the class of trouble, during the, during the course of that transition, during the course of the education that trouble gets you, it will teach you to get closer to God. It will teach you to have a stronger appetite for him. So sometimes God allows the storm because he's giving us an education on expanding our appetite for him. Maybe I got here because I was hungering after the wrong things. Maybe I got here because I had an appetite for the wrong things. Maybe I got arrived at this destination because I had a taste for things that look good on the outside but were not good for my soul, were not good for my spirit. So the storm has come, so God has changed my appetite that I have more room for him, that I want more of God. Say that with me, I want more of God. One thing I want to let you know is because I'm telling you about not allowing trauma to change or negatively impact your appetite because the devil does not care how often you come to church as long as you don't eat. Doesn't matter how, how dressed up you are. Doesn't matter that you got your three-piece suit on. Doesn't, doesn't matter how slayed your hair is and how well put together your makeup is. It, it does not matter how color-coordinated your outfit is. It doesn't matter how long you even sit in the pew or how, how consistently you attend if you don't eat. Uh, the devil doesn't even mind you contributing your tithes and giving your offering. As long as you come here, you sit here, but you do not eat. You don't, you don't uh, we put it this way, he doesn't mind you, you involving yourself in the process as long as you don't get pregnant. As long as nothing is imparted into your heart, as long as nothing is imparted in your spirit, as long as you leave here with the same thought process and mindset that you came in here with, he doesn't mind that you attend church. Doesn't mind that you come. He don't even mind that you clap your hands, but he don't want you to leave with anything. He doesn't want you to eat. In fact, get this, he doesn't want, even in the course of church, even if you don't eat, he doesn't want you to develop an appetite for God. Uh, because, because everybody comes in here, everybody who walked in this building this morning, everybody who's listening online, you have an appetite for something. But what the devil does not want, the spirit and his, and his word to get in your heart and change your appetite. Uh, he, he don't want you to change your appetite. As long as you think that the only thing that can affect your mood is, a, is the alcohol bottle, he's, he's, not, he's not worried about that. As long as you don't change your habits when after you've been involved in service, he, he doesn't mind that. As long as you don't start reading God's word and you don't start praying and you don't start seeking your answers from God, he doesn't mind how many times you come. As long as the word doesn't get in your mind and into your heart and change your appetite. Because when your appetite changes, <laughs> you wake up different. When your appetite changes, uh, they tell them the old things used to say, you don't walk like you used to walk. You don't talk like you used to talk. You don't think like you used to think. When your appetite changes, 
uh, there are certain things that you can be involved in in the middle of, but you can still be thinking about God when your appetite changes. I'm not talking about your location. I'm talking about your appetite. Yeah, yeah, you still reported to work on Monday, but your mind is different. Your mind is changing. What you crave in your heart is different because your appetite has changed. Oh, I, I know I got one witness in the house, Sister, Sister Dita. You don't, you don't even want to smoke like you used to smoke. <sighs> because your, your appetite is changed. Uh, oh, so, so there's some folks that you're allowing your life right now. That, that, but when your appetite changes, you don't, you don't want them there anymore. Because, I wish you were here with me. Because your appetite has, has changed. Even your habits begin to become altered because your appetite changes. Yeah, I, I watch television, but, I, but I'm still craving some time with God's word because my appetite has changed. I, I, listen, I used to just listen to music and drown out all my thoughts on the way to work, but now I want to listen to a little word. I want to hear the Bible being read to me. I, I even want a little quiet time so I can pray to myself because my appetite has changed. The devil don't mind you coming to church. He don't mind you spitting, blowing bubbles. He don't mind you running around the church. He don't mind you clapping when everybody else clapping. But if the word gets in your spirit and changes your appetite, that's when the devil gets upset. That's when he gets mad. That's when he begins to oppose you because your appetite is changed. I want you to know this, and I know I got some witnesses out there. If you came to church and it didn't change your appetite, the devil might help you get there. But when your appetite starts changing, you'll be on your way to church, your car starts acting funny. When your appetite changes. Come on, your alarm clock suddenly doesn't go off. <laughs> I wish I had some witness in here. When, when your appetite changed, all of a sudden you begin to get too tired to come because the devil sees in the spirit that your appetite is beginning to change. And the only thing that's different between me and a sinner is that my appetite changed. <laughs> I'm still a sinner that's saved by grace, but the only difference is my appetite changed because this word got into my heart and I was sinking deep in sin. But God, he lifted me from where I was and showed me a different way. And then my appetite began to change. I got a witness pointing somebody and say, my appetite changed. I want you to remember, when we talk about appetite, I want you to remember the widow's oil in 2 Kings chapter 4. The prophet told the widow to borrow a few vessels. She had run out of oil, and, and, and he told her to borrow empty vessels. And he said, don't borrow a few, but borrow as many as you could. And, and if you remember the story, she went and borrowed, borrowed the vessels from her neighbors, and she brought them into her house. And then when she brought them into the house, even from the little vessel, the oil began to pour, and the oil kept pouring, and it kept on pouring until she ran out of vessels. I want to let somebody know this morning, God didn't run out of oil. You ran out of vessels. You ran out of storage. Because God never runs out. Point at somebody and say, God never runs out. He, 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 he never runs out. And, and the thing about our appetite is something I've learned as I've gotten older is your appetite begins to expand. There are greater th more things you have an appetite for because when you're born, all you, have, all you want is milk. 
They keep giving you milk. You cry for milk. You yearn for milk. You're thinking about milk all the time. But then as you get older, your appetite expands and God begins to give you more things. And maybe God has not given you more things, a plethora of different things in your life because you have not allowed your appetite to expand. Uh, it's not because God doesn't have it. It's because you haven't, don't have an appetite for it. I want you to help me preach this morning. Point at somebody and tell them it's not that God doesn't have it. But you have not developed an appetite for it. I want you to think about that this week. God, God has it. God didn't run out. The only thing that we lack is either storage or an appetite for the things of God. The other thing I want to tell you, and I'm going crossing over, it says your appetite should be daily. You should have a daily appetite for God, a daily appetite for God. You hungry every morning, come on in here. But you ought to have a daily appetite with God. Paul put it this way. He said, I got to be ready for my fight. He said, I fight daily, but to be prepared to fight, then you got to eat. Ah, you got to have an appetite for the things of God so that you can be prepared to ward off the devil because the devil's going to keep coming. Your flesh is still going to be wearing on you. So for you to be prepared for the battle, you have to have an appetite every day. I have to eat every day. Psalm 63 and 1 puts it this way. He said, oh God, thou art my God. And early will I see thee. Early will I come after thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Our soul should have a daily appetite and hunger for God. Psalm 42 and 1 says, as the deer panteth, longs, thirsts, hungers, has an appetite for the water brook, so should our soul follow after thee. Oh God, daily do I seek. David put, David put it this way, daily do I seek thee. Daily should we seek after God. Daily should we have an appetite for God. Every day we ought to wake up craving more of God. You should not just want God on Sundays. You shouldn't just want God on Sundays because I don't have to, I don't have to ask you to raise your hand, but I can ask this question. I doubt that there's anybody who just eats on Sunday. Nobody, nobody, nobody just eats. I, I, I don't care. You, you might try that intermittent fasting, but I'm, I'm sure you don't eat just on Sundays. So, so how do we think that, that our flesh cannot be satisfied by only eating and having an appetite on Sundays, but that's how we treat God. We only have a hunger and an appetite for God one day of the week. And I came to tell you, Sundays are not enough. And, and stop putting that on me. Don't, 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 don't try and drag me down like that. Don't try and expect and pull that much out of me on Sunday to try and expect that to satisfy your craving for the week. You ought to have a daily craving for God. You have, ought to have a daily appetite for the things of God. You ought to daily desire to be satisfied by the things of God. You can't just eat on Sundays. Point at somebody and say, you just can't eat on Sundays. We're currently in the middle of a consecration. And we are replacing our appetite for other things for the things of God. Less time for frivolous things and more time for God. So we still have the same appetite, but we're replacing how we fulfill our cravings. Let me say that again. During consecration, you still have an appetite, 
but you replace how you fulfill those cravings from the things of the world and the natural things until we replace them with the things of God. And sometimes we get frustrated during consecration because it's much easier to feel our, satisfy our cravings with the things of the world than it is to satisfy them with the things of God. And maybe you have more things in your cupboard to satisfy your flesh than you do in your house to satisfy your spirit. Ah, and we get stressed and we get frustrated because it's easier and, and we're more accustomed to satisfying our flesh than we are with satisfying our spirit. And maybe then we ought to consider, is our house filled with the right things? Is our house only attuned with our flesh? Or are we capable of satisfying ourselves, our spirit with the things that we keep in our house? How many of you had to dust off your Bible for consecration? How many of you had to get in a routine that you ordinarily don't have? How, how many of you realize that your knees creak a little bit when you get down to pray because you have been satisfying your flesh? You've been satisfying your flesh and you're accustomed to satisfying your flesh, but it is almost to you a new experience to satisfy yourself with the things that your spirit needs. And maybe this is a refreshing this is a cleanup. You know, in the spring, we clean things up. Maybe in time, it's time to move some things out. My sons had the, and they, the distinct benefit of being the first grandchildren on both sides of the family. None of their aunts or uncles had children. And none of my, hardly any of my friends or any of my wife's friends had children. And we got to a place when they were young that when it was time for their birthday, we had to clean out their room because we knew that so much other stuff was coming that we wouldn't have space for it if we didn't clean that out. And I told you, I'm telling somebody right now, this consecration is cleanup time. It's time to clean out some of the things that are taking up space that do not impact our spirit. And it's time to replace those items with things that satisfy the needs of the spirit and not only the things of the flesh. Maybe some things during this consecration, it just, just, doesn't just need to last to January 31st, but it needs to last longer than that. Uh, I wish I had help here. It, it needs to last longer than that because our spirit, somebody say daily. Daily needs to be refreshed. My hunger is just not on Sundays, but my hunger is every day of the week. And Lord, help me that I might learn to satisfy the things of my spirit and not only the things of my, of my flesh. My appetite should be daily. And God blesses me. Somebody say, God blesses me for my appetite. Yeah, when, when during consecration, I found this interesting, particularly as it relates uh, uh, to my wife, and I'll get to that, and I'm glad to have her here this morning. God's been good to her. But during consecration, you'll find, if, if someone finds or asks, and you, I, nobody should be publicizing, that's not how the word works, but if somebody asks or finds out that you're on consecration, if they ask and find out, there'll be some people who laugh at you, there'll be some people who ridicule you, there are some people who say, Psh, I wouldn't be doing that. Come on now. <laughs> I know we got some witnesses. 
And then every now and then, my wife said, at, at, at even her, some of her friends and some co-workers, they join her. Some people will join you. And then you begin to learn the type of people that you daily surround yourself with. Do you want people who laugh at you? You want people who ridicule you too? People who will tell you to be disobedient? People who will tempt you in the middle of your consecration? Or do you have folks who will join you? Uh, Because I I need some people in my life that when I'm praying, I want them to pray. Uh, I wish I had help. The Bible says rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that do weep. I need some people who will suffer with me. I, I need some people who will struggle with me. I need some people who will pray with me when I don't feel like praying by myself. It's good to know that there will be some people with you. Sometimes this time of consecration will be an indication to you, a little window into the lives of the people who are around you. And maybe consecration is teaching you to look at your friend group. Maybe consecration is teaching you to wonder whether or not you're around the right people and whether they are seeing things. I I, I put it this way. It's hard for people to see me the way God sees me if they don't hear what I hear. (laughs) And some of you are surrounded by deaf people. (laughs) Point at your neighbor and say, are you surrounded by deaf people? Oh, we say hearing impaired people. And when I say that, I mean people who don't hear when God is speaking. If I surround myself with people who don't hear when God is speaking, I'll hear things that they don't hear. And God will show me things that they don't see. So when it's time for me to move to another station or it's time for me to move to another level or it's time to move to me another dimension, I'll tell you who the hearing impaired people are. They'll be like, where are you going? Who do you think you are? You don't, you don't, you think you, you think you better than me. <laughs> Come on in here. You, you're not acting like you used to act. And, and they judge you because they don't hear what you hear. And therefore, they don't see what you see. And therefore, they can't run when God tells you to run. But I need some folks who hear what I hear. I need some folks who can see what I see. And I need some folks who are ready to run when God tells me to run. See, Elisha had to run by himself when he heard the sound of rain because nobody else heard what he heard. <laughs> and don't be afraid. We are, uh, we are a royal people. We are a, a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a peculiar people because sometimes we move when nobody else is moving because we heard what God heard and, and they don't see what... <laughs> I wish Noah would come and witness for me. I... I build boats when nobody else is building boats. I build boats and I'm not even on the coastline because you didn't hear what I heard and you don't, I wish I had a couple with me, you don't see what I see. And the last thing I want to share with you when I'm finished, I talked to you, I told you that life requires appetite. I told you that your appetite should be daily. And the final thing I want to share with you is that your appetite should get bigger. Your appetite should get bigger. My Bible says to me, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. And then we often say this, and I find it to be a misnomer in this context. We say that God blesses us according to his riches in glory. But then I found out there's a caveat to that. 
And what, I, and what the scripture is intending is letting you know that God's ability to bless is unlimited. But however, we compromise that because our ability to receive is limited. His ability to bless is unlimited, but our ability to receive is limited. And therefore, I, I, I'm going to have to put this caveat on the scripture. God doesn't bless us according to his riches. He can only bless us according to our appetite. Only bless us according to our appetite. And what do you mean by that? Let me get you. I need an example. Well, in the Bible, it says that Jesus, Jesus, while he was ministering, he noticed that the people were hungry. And then he said, Do you have something for them to eat? Why don't you feed them disciples? The disciples said, I can't find anything except this young little man who has two fish and five little barley loaves. And he said, That's certainly. And he said, What is this amongst so many? But it says Jesus went down to the little boy's lunch and he blessed it and he broke it. And as he began to bless and break it, he fed until everybody was satisfied, until everybody's appetites were fulfilled. And then even after that, there were 12 baskets of what was left over. God doesn't, he doesn't bless us just according to his ability to bless. He blesses us according to our appetites. That means they could have eaten more. They could have had more. They could have eaten till they were satisfied. But all of them didn't eat till they were satisfied because God had more than they were even able to consume. And I came to see, challenge somebody today. Maybe God is, God is not limited by his ability. He's not, not limited by his resources, but he's limited by your appetite. And maybe I'm challenging somebody in here that your appetite needs to get bigger. Your storage space needs to get bigger. You, you need to have more vessels. You need to have more openness. The songwriter said, Lord, I'm available to you. My hands, my ears, my voice, my eyes. I, I, anything that I have, I'm, I'm, I'm pouring out my cup. So that you can fill me up. The only reason I'm not full with all that God can provide is because I'm already filled up with the things of this world. And maybe consecration is just an opportunity. And only God, the only thing God needs me to do is empty out myself. If I don't do anything, everything right, I just need to be more empty. And I'm challenging somebody right now to have a larger appetite, to be more hungry, to be more empty so that God can fill up. Your empty spaces, God will fill up your spaces as long as you are empty. And I, I challenge somebody to get more empty. <laughs> Point somebody and say, you need to be more empty. God is challenging us to be more, more empty. I'll tell you, talk about appetite. I found out if you watch social media that there are things that are hidden agenda items or hidden menu items at most of your restaurants. You may not know about them. Some of you know about them, but some of you don't. You, you are limited by what you see on the menu, but many times there are hidden menu items. That means you can order stuff and they'll give it to you, but you know what you, you have to know to ask for? It, it's there. It's available. It's not on the menu, but, but if you know, if you have a little knowledge, then there are some things that even you don't see. Get this, but you can... 
You can ask for them. I want you to get. There, there are some things right now in your life that you don't see that are not even inside your experience, but God is not limiting you by what you see. He's not limiting you by what other people see. He's not limiting you by what your mama knows or what your daddy knows, but there are some hidden menu items that, that you can ask for that if you have an appetite for and you have the, the ch- you have the faith to ask for it, God said, I will give it to you. God wants to give it. Point to somebody and say, God wants to give it to you. He said, if you ask anything whatsoever, whatsoever. Somebody give me hope. Say, whatsoever. He said, whatsoever you ask in my name, if you ask it. He said, I will do it. I will do it. If you, if you ask me for it, if you, if you have an appetite for it, God say, I will do it. And, and point at somebody right now, God saying, I will do it. Whatever you're asking for, whatever you're seeking God for, whatever you're desiring God for, God is saying, I will. Somebody say, I will. I will do it. God is wanting you to ask. He's trying to get you to increase your appetite. And what we found in 2 Kings chapter 4, and and I'm finished. The prophet Elisha went to the home of King Joash. And while he was at the home of King Joash, Joash had been encumbered by the Syrians. The Syrians had been attacking him on every side. He was frustrated by the Syrians always coming after him. And and Elisha told him, he said, take that group of arrows. He said, put them in your hand. And he said, I want you to beat them against the ground. And it says Joash took the, 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 the bundle of arrows and he beat them against the ground three times. And Elisha was frustrated. Elisha was frustrated. And why, was, why was the prophet frustrated? He was frustrated because he told the king, he said, you only beat him three times. So that's what's going to happen in your life. He said, but as you beat it six or seven or, or eight times, you would have also, he said, you would have obliterated them. They never would have been a problem for Israel, uh, uh, Israel again had you begin to beat the arrows on the ground more often. And what he was saying to him, had you had a larger appetite for what God wants to do for you. God was going to do something miraculous. God was going to do something profound. God was about to do something great. But the only thing you lacked was an appetite for what God wants to do. For what God is trying to do in your life. And I'll I'll tell you this. The more you, you begin to learn, the more you begin to mature, the more you have the faith to ask for. I, I tell you, the, the, mature, the more mature you get, the, the more you, deeper you get in God, the, the, less, the less you're afraid to ask God for things. Something my daughter often says, and, and I like this, she, when she's hungry, sometimes I'll say, well, what do you want? She's like, I don't know what I want. She said, I know I want something, but I don't know what it's specifically I hunger for. I don't know what specifically I have an appetite for. And I want to encourage somebody because in the middle of your storms, God is going to teach you what to ask for. 
Your storm, your trial that you're in right now, God is instructing you on what you need to ask for. Maybe she doesn't know what to ask for because she hasn't been through enough things. She hasn't seen enough things. She hasn't gone through enough trials or enough storms. But after you've been through the trial and you've been through the storm, you learn how to pray. You learn how to pray. I wish I had some folks who learned how to pray. Your, your storm, your trial, your trouble has taught you how to pray. And when you've been through the storm and you've been through the trial, the next time I get down on my knees, I, 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 I begin to learn how to pray. But not only that, the storm teaches me not only how to pray, but it also teaches me how to praise. Because the more I've been through the more I praise God for, the more struggle that I've seen, the more trials that I've been through, the more I begin to pray and praise God for. When I was a young man, I would pray and I would thank God for things. But the older I've gotten, I've learned to praise God for more basic things. Lord, I thank you for waking me up this morning. Lord, I thank you for for breath in my body. Lord, Lord, I thank you for giving me enough strength to get up on my own this morning. Lord, Lord, I thank you for making it safely to my destination. Lord, I, I thank you for my family waking up with me on this morning. Lord, I thank you. The storm and the trial has taught me how to praise God. So when I wake up in the morning, I have more things to be thankful for. When I wake up in the morning, I have more things to praise God for. When I get down on my knees, the storm and the trial has taught me to be more grateful. Because you have to be on death's bed to understand the song that says he didn't have to do it. Didn't have to wake me up this morning. Didn't have to touch me with a finger of love and, and put spirit and breath in my body. He didn't have to do it, but he did. And because he did, because he did, I, I'm going to give him the glory. I'm going to give him the honor. I'm going to give him the praise because I've learned to be thankful. I've learned to give God the praise. Everyone standing on your feet. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise on this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for just being alive. Another opportunity for us to open our mouths and to let you know how grateful and how thankful we are. And Lord, today we live grateful and Lord, we live thankful and Lord, we live hungry with an appetite for the things of you. And Lord, the more we go through, the more we learn to ask for, the more we go through, the more we hunger after the things of God and not the things of this world. Lord, touch us on this week, Lord. Allow your word to permeate our hearts, Lord. Let us be reminded that we cannot just eat on Sunday, but Lord, on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Lord, we need to continue to feed ourselves with the things of you that we might be prepared to wrestle against our flesh. That we might be pleasing in your sight, that we might do the things that you'd have us to do and say the things that you have us to say to be the examples that you want us to be. Help us to seek and desire and have a hunger and thirst for the things of righteousness. For that's the only way that we will be satisfied. 
And Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're about to do on this week. In Jesus' name, come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. For those of you who've been watching us online, we pray God for you until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.